Hey guys, welcome to our podcast. We are your hosts. My name is Asha. I'm Kelly. And we are a Buddhist and a Muslim. Thank you guys for tuning in to our very first episode. Ooh, I'm excited to be here. Me Asha. too. I feel like it's been a long time coming. Yeah. I know. I'm proud of us. <laughs> Me too. I can't believe it is literally going to be 2020 in a few hours. In a few hours, exactly. I guess there's um, a few things we got to get adjusted to in the new year. Mm. Like, no, the first thing is getting the date written, written correctly with the right year. Okay? Oh, right. That is, oh, that, that always, always happens. Me, me too. And the second thing is I got to follow through with my resolutions. Oh, <laughs> New Year's resolutions, boo. Yes. What are yeah. your resolutions, Asha? Well, I have a few, okay? The first thing is I definitely want... Um, to actually go to the gym this time. <laughs> Ooh, that's a big one. Yeah, a lot I have of been people's... paying for this gym membership for forever. Oh yeah, it was like the New Year's resolution from 2017. <laughs> I think that's what I've been paying for. Oh. Yeah. So yeah. Well, I don't have any resolutions. I gave up on making those about two years ago. I believe in uh, just implementing lifestyle changes that you know you see yourself doing for the rest of your life or. Or not making any change if uh, not otherwise. And yeah, I mean, as strong as that may sound, I don't think I ever follow through on anyway. <laughs> I, <laughs> I have to like fail multiple times, but at least I give myself all year round to fail and retry than That's to wait true. for the new year. So I like that. Yeah. I like that. I feel like I need to do that. But yeah, another thing I wanted to do was. Maybe, like, start talking to a life coach or somebody. Oh, my gosh. That's Some, such a nice idea. Like yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't know if I'm having, like, any, like... I mean, we're all having everyday struggles, but, I mean, I don't think there's one specific thing that I'm like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm dealing with this, and I need to talk to somebody. But, I mean, it's nice to talk about your everyday yeah. things just to release. Yeah. No, life you know? coach is revolutionary. They can follow you outside the therapy session, you know. and, and Exactly, yeah. They're literally helping you with your life. Yes. <laughs> with a therapist, the first thing that, like, comes to my mind is, like, laying on a couch with my feet up, somebody just <laughs> sitting there and just saying, mm-hmm, mm. huh, I understand. Mm. And it's like... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I could relate to them. Like, are they judging me? Mm, I've had better experiences with my therapist, but I I do get what you mean. I think having a life coach, and I think you told me this is like the app thing, right? So it's it's very, very concrete. Yeah. So that one is actually like a therapist, but um, I think it's called like Talkspace, something Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. So you can actually access them from your phone. Exactly. Instead of scheduling an appointment. And um, so you yeah. can text them at all hours of the day with questions. Yeah, like that's, 24 that's, hours that's a day. Yeah, that's that pretty super awesome. Cool. Yeah. And like you can FaceTime. Mm-hmm. Um, you can text. Wow. Which is like super convenient because sometimes. That sounds like something a millennial would love to do. Exactly. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to step into somebody else's space mm, like and be yeah. like super like yeah. weird and we need to revolutionize the way that we address our mental health don't we yeah so yeah definitely that, that's a nice step in the right direction there yeah. Like yeah but anyway that's a great segue asha into our topic of the day which is mental health we'll start off by defining mental health mental health refers to our psychological emotional and social well-being and why mental health is important is because it impacts our thinking mood and ultimately our behavior 
So what better way to harness control over your actions than to be in tune with your mental health and actually do the, the work it takes to make sure you're healthy up there? There are many factors that contribute to mental health symptoms, and generally you can categorize them in one of two ways. Either they're biological factors, such as your genes, your brain chemistry, or your life experiences, such as trauma or abuse. So I'm going to start out with some facts that I found from the CDC website. Their 2018 statistics on mental health um, show that more than 50% of Americans will be diagnosed with a mental illness or disorder at some point in their lifetime. This is huge. That means if you are at work, half of your coworkers may be dealing with some form of mental illness or disorder. That hits home. Yeah, that definitely, that definitely does hit home. Because now all I'm thinking about is, and every time I'm in a room, I'm like, oh my goodness, one, two, three, four, five, six. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, one of us has a mental, mm-hmm. um, could, have. Can, could have a mental mm-hmm. uh, disorder. Yeah, which and, is which is a lot. It's and when you think about it, as it pertains to your inner circle, then you change the way you interact with others, right? You want to be more empathetic and consider where someone's actions or behaviors towards you or not with you, where they could be coming from, and um, and also with yourself. Be gentle with yourself and and think within and say, hey, um, am I okay? You know, in that department, and then. Do the hard work. Do the work it takes to get better. And it, it, it takes time, but it can be done. The next statistic I found was actually really, really mind-boggling because um, it's on suicide rates. And um, what I learned was that it actually affects millennials more than any other age group. Suicide is the second leading cause of death for people ages 10 to 34 years old the fourth leading cause among people 35 to 54 years of age, and the eighth leading cause among people 55 to 64 years of age. Why do you think that is? Well, I think there are lots of factors that play into that. Perhaps, you know, our generation has a maladaptive way of coping with stress, or, you know, I mean, this is the age of information. Technology, you know, kind of started within our early developmental years. And so that must have a big play on it. You know, it introduced for us cyberbullying, among other things. And, you know, just all those hours on your phone can very much impact your sleep. And these things we know are very related to our mental well-being. So I think those are a few of many other ways that... Yeah, that I definitely agree. About, yeah. Uh, yeah, with I definitely believe that millennials, we have dealt with a lot that happened around us mm-hmm. just with our environment and just living here, you know, in mm-hmm. our country. As we were younger, we dealt with, a lot of us dealt with indirectly or directly with the recession. Mm. And then then there's like, we're all going to college and mm-hmm. then college is not as affordable as it used to be like for anybody from the previous generation. Right. and. We're dealing with all of these things. And, and so, also, you know, maybe we're also taking on our our generation above us as, you know, traumas, you know, mm-hmm. because mental health only recently became an issue that we address with an open mind recently, you know. Before that, mental health was frowned upon, you know, in, in say, our parents' ears. 
And so they may not have addressed mental health with the with the um, sensitivity that it demanded. And so now we're trying to take it seriously, but maybe our parents didn't have that care, you know, when they were yeah. growing up to have had someone take it as seriously with them. And so they too are not informed in how agree. to address it with us. And so, um, and they are trying to deal with trauma, but so are we. And, and we don't understand each other's perspectives because we're so preoccupied with our own. So there's that disconnect and that miscommunication and, um, lack of resources for them as well as for us yeah i definitely agree i think you hit the nail on the head on that Hmm. i definitely agree with that because yeah our previous generation they weren't educated about mental illness Mm -hmm. or um any of those things Mm -hmm. and only recently i would say within the last i would say five years or so Mm -hmm. is when we really were starting to talk about the men about and for us the way we hear it hear about it is when it's trending right and now self-care is like this huge thing on social media it's like everyone's Mm -hmm. boasting about their self-care routine there's a routine for everything and it's all centered around self-care and there's so many quotes now out there that we populate and it's not just memes anymore we're we're actually posting quotes on how to, you know, deal with toxic relationships or, you know, family traumas. I and, think, yeah, millennials have yeah. definitely had a hand in, mm. if not majority of, the mental health awareness that we have in this day and age. Mm. There's so many Instagram pages and so mm. many people that follow just pages that have motivational quotes yeah. that talk about um, people having self-care taking Mm -hmm. time out for themselves Mm -hmm. and just making that cool you know making it cool exactly and saying hey you know what i've been through a bad breakup yeah like i've been through this i felt this way yeah and we're using the platforms that we've been given Mm -hmm. to kind of spread that message yeah absolutely i I, and and it's okay to be vulnerable right Yeah. yeah i definitely think that we've made all of that cool we've made it trending um, self-care, um, seeing a therapist, mm-hmm. openly talking about these things that right? normally our parents have always taught us. Can you imagine a podcast about this, you know, just 10 years ago? Oh my goodness, it would be Silly. such taboo. Right. People would be afraid to listen to it in front to of their friends. To relate with it, you Or know? to relate. Openly, yeah, right. I definitely yeah. feel like I've... If this was five years ago, I think I would definitely be on the other end of things mm. for sure, too. I'd be so nervous to talk about it Mm -hmm. and i think within the last year that's when i was like okay you know what maybe it's okay to talk about it a little bit at a time yeah and i think a big motivating factor for me to actually take my mental health serious was when i hit my adulting ages life became stressful you know there are bills that parents have been singing about but they're actually now a reality just that shock in growing up and and actually having to schedule pto take permission to get you know take a break from work taking those things in and saying wow this is actually how society is institutionalized and and this is the little piece of the puzzle that i am and um and that i have to be okay with to function in society those things were a big motivator for me to say hey i need to take better care of my my mental health and in order to stay sane and to keep going and to continue to do my part in society. Yeah, I definitely agree. I I like all the stuff that you said. Um, I think another thing that we've definitely been um, dealing with within our community is just 
not having enough providers that understand diversity and different cultural backgrounds. Mm-hmm. So definitely diversity within the profession, maybe education about the culture. Absolutely. The culture, that's key. It's it's knowing truly where your patients' experiences, where their traumas, where their um, their problems, where they stem from. Like the diversity within the profession? I personally haven't seen any diversity within the profession. I don't know if you have. Most of the people that are the physicians, the therapists, the life coaches, I don't, I don't think there's very many people that come from the backgrounds that we come, up, come from, or mm-hmm. I just don't think that a lot of people understand the stuff that we go through yeah. as people coming from different communities and stuff. So I think that's extremely important. Absolutely. I don't know if you've seen the same thing. I've you know? seen the same thing, absolutely. Um, the clinic where I work at, there, um, I think there's just one Somali-speaking provider who is in a mental health department um, and even at that she's a new hiree um, yeah. so a lot of can you imagine having to vent about you know something that's troubling you and having to wait for an interpreter to translate that the emotions lost in translation yeah it makes you really wonder like how effective this therapy session could really be if there yeah. has to be that middle man you know and beyond that those cultural differences are very real and um, and I'm sure it makes it harder, not only for the patient, but also the provider to relate. So we really need to do better in all fields, yeah. all medical fields, in, in promoting diversity to truly promote health equity. There are lots of health disparities out there, and it's this cultural diversity, I think, is what can truly combat that. Exactly. Within the Somali community, for sure, there's definitely a stigma for people with mental health disorders. Oh, yeah? Yeah, so there's a stigma for people with mental health disorders. They're put down, they're told that that they're crazy or mm-hmm. that they need to be one with God or they need oh, to go wow. back to the church. And it's almost like they're possessed. It, mm-hmm. it To them, it's not um, a biological issue. Um, it's more of, hey, we can't. We don't have the luxury to be de- depressed. You don't have wow. the luxury to be depressed mm-hmm. or anxious. Like you're living, you're living the life that a lot of people in Africa can't live. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be depressed mm-hmm. because you're spoiled by wow. living in this country. Wow. Just the opportunities that you're given. Imagine the people back in Africa that are dealing with things that are real, like mm-hmm. famine not having enough clean water, not having proper sanitation, and you're talking to me about mental health. I mean, from my standpoint, that's how it's always been. Do you think you can relate to that? You know, I have some Somali friends who've mentioned that to me, you know, that it's almost selfish to be depressed. And um, Have you, do you think in the Cameroonian culture it's like that, back in Cameroon? <laughs> I, I think, I think there's, some subtle understanding in that respect that we are more fortunate and therefore should be more grateful and and therefore not address our issues as as sensitively as we might want to because there's always someone less fortunate than we are 
So yeah, I think to some extent I can relate to that. Yeah, so stigma is something that we really have to combat and just make sure that people don't feel ashamed for having these disorders or going through something or just not being able to have somebody to talk to. Mental health is a real thing. I believe that putting people down or making them feel ashamed or making them feel like they're a burden isn't going to help anything. Mm -hmm. I think that maybe we, having more providers that look like us and that understand us is a step in the right direction. Would definitely be a step in the right direction. Absolutely. Having faith leaders that are educated about mm -hmm. mental health, mm -hmm. having community leaders that are educated within mental health, and mm -hmm. just if you learn something, just teach it to one other person. Yeah. And they'll tell one other person, and mm -hmm. we'll have a more tolerant community. Absolutely. I also wanted to talk about misdiagnosis within our community. Ooh. I think that people of color, not just people that are immigrants, but just people of color get misunderstood, maybe. And because I feel like when a person that is not of color reacts to something a certain way, that's kind of kept at the norm. Mm. That's what that's what normal reactions yeah. look like. We're normalizing. And yeah, we're normalizing the majority, the majority exactly. Mm -hmm. And so when somebody reacts, or they have a different way of showing because depression. Of different backgrounds. Exactly. Yeah, they, they show aggression in a different way mm -hmm. than, and then the that majority does. Is the bad form of aggression or display. Exactly. Yeah. Or or just misdiagnosis has happened all the time. I know I've read a few things about people getting diagnosed with schizophrenia instead of bipolar disorder. They're very similar because bipolar disorder has like that manic on one end mm -hmm. and then super aggressive on mm -hmm. the other end. Mm -hmm. And so if they only see glimpses of that aggression. Mm -hmm or they go and see like episodes of man mania it's really hard for people to just diagnose correctly if they don't have any cultural perspective or if they never interacted with somebody from that culture that also brings me to discrimination <laughs> uh so what are we gonna do about that discrimination plays like a huge role yeah. within mental health mm -hmm. and i can say just from a black perspective, a female mm -hmm. perspective, and from a Muslim perspective. Mm -hmm. Okay, I got all, all of the perspectives. <laughs> uh, as a Muslim first, I would say it it's hard to live in this country or live in Europe right now. It's really hard for us at this point because of all the stuff that's going on in the world and how people of a certain religion are taking on the crimes of the minority. I used to wear a headscarf when I was younger and people would always be like joking around and like pulling it off wow. or I'm dealing with my peers parents mm -hmm. um, tell them that they weren't allowed to hang out with me or be around me. Mm -hmm. um, cars in the street just driving by yelling go back to your country it's it's hard yeah at so a very young age, you at a very that. young age you have to get thick skin mm -hmm. and like just being belittled and traumatized for being different looking different dressing different mm -hmm. 
that definitely gets you PTSD because you're constantly thinking like, oh my goodness, when is this going to happen again? Next mm-hmm. time, is it going to be somebody who's like physically wow. like going to hurt me? Yeah. And it's like the stuff like and that if is... They can, if they can vocalize it, they can, you know, also be physical eventually, right? Exactly. Uh, before we run out of time, though, I'd like to also, as it hugely relates to us millennials, talk about mental health as it relates to social media. Um, so to start off, Asha, I'm just wondering, how would you rate your social media use? Be honest. I don't really use social media as much as most people do. Okay. But, yeah, occasionally, like throughout the day, whenever you're not doing anything, mm-hmm. you'll just look through your feed and yeah. just see what everybody is up to, but... Do you feel good or bad while you're using social media? Mm, mostly good. Good. Nice. Yeah. Do you try to limit your social media use? No, because I don't. I mean, I don't do it enough you don't to use where. It that much. Yeah. yeah, and if if I do use it, it's not like oh my goodness, how many likes do I have? Like, yeah. How many follows? Yeah. Like, and it's interesting really you think. mentioned about those specific <laughs> things, but I found this article online, and I will cite this article in the description for anyone who's curious to learn more. But this article um, was a study done via survey. They surveyed 1,730 nationally representative, they claim, adults ages 19 to 32 on their social media use. They also asked them to rate their depression and anxiety. Social media use was measured using five variables, time, frequency, multiple platform use, problematic social media use, which is a self-report, and social media intensity. And um, what they found was that individuals who reported high problematic social media use high time, frequency, multiple platform use, and social media intensities that were high were most strongly associated with elevated symptoms of both depression and anxiety. Some social media-derived anxiety behaviors included routine engagement and attention-seeking behaviors as reflected in high-volume social media use, such as frequent status updates and subsequent check-in for likes, as you mentioned, Asha. They described those behaviors to mimic anxiety behaviors. They quoted it as a dopamine rush that goes off every time your notification goes off. And it kind of feels that way, honestly. You, you get on edge, you know, every yeah. time there is a new like or a new comment or, or something. It's, and, and it feeds, you feed into that, that um, pleasure by going back to check, by posting more frequently and engaging more in social media. So that's the anxiety portion of it. They also interpreted the results linking social high social media use and increased depression ratings to be due to a high emotional connectedness to one's social media community. And the reason why they said is because you're invested in a virtual reality of friendships. And so say you were to go through something that is hard to deal with in real life, you'd be unable to reach out to these virtual friends because that's exactly what they are. So they use that to say you should invest more in your real-life connectedness. So Asha, do you think millennials are aware of the maladaptive effects of problematic social media use? I don't think so. Um, I think social media has been something that's new. This was a 2014 study. Yeah, but 2014 is is new. (laughs) 2014 is not that long ago. When was the first time that you can really text on Mm. your phone? Maybe 2007, 2006. Mm. All that stuff is so new that 
that people don't really know the lasting effects of it. And studies are now coming out. Yeah. But social media is constantly changing. Yeah. In 2014, do you think Instagram was as big as it is right now? Was there Instagram? I don't even know. I don't even know. TikTok, the Kesha <laughs> right, song thing, right. it's 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 popping. Okay, there's things are constantly evolving. Yeah. So no, I don't think anybody knows the long-lasting effects of social media. Mm-hmm. But do you think they, they have an idea that it's maladaptive for their mental health? No, no, mm-hmm. for sure. not Definitely not. I don't think <laughs> if anybody thought that it was not good for their mental health, yeah. that they would constantly still be on the TV, that kids would, would be getting cell phones at the young age that they are, parents mm-hmm. would be giving them access to everything that's on the Internet all the time. And to be fair, this study is correlation that, yeah, 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 right? Exactly. So, yeah. so it's not even. I don't think they even have the slightest intuition that mm, this doesn't sit well with me. No, I think if okay. anything is problematic if you do too much of it. Yeah. You eat too much Absolutely. crappy food. That's yeah. The bottom and then, line. Yep. Yeah, you're going to get sick. I mean, you do too much of anything, that's what it's going to be. So, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Well, have you ever felt that social media use negatively impacted your mood directly, Asha? I know you said you don't use it too much, which falls in line with their results in this study, right? (laughs) No. No. And do you think it's possible to have intense social media use with, you know, the frequent status updates and high commitment and yet avoid the problematic mental health problems that may arise? I don't know. It depends. I think it depends. I mean, depends on what you use social media for. Mm-hmm. It depends on who you're following. It depends on what you're posting. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. Yeah. Who knows, right? Yeah. So I, I encourage you guys to be mindful of your social media use and directly how it affects your mood while you're on it. After a post, ask yourself, did that make me feel good? Did I do it for likes? Did I do it for attention? And, and be honest with yourself because... Um, the key is, if you don't get the desired response, this article is trying to say is that that is when it impacts your mood in, in a negative way. When you don't get the desired outcome from the attention-seeking behavior you were exerting. So be mindful of that. Also, invest more time in your real-life relationships more than your virtual ones. Because your virtual friendships are just that. And in real life, you can have someone to grab a coffee with, someone in, in person to see your, your emotions in real life. and someone who can follow you through your journey in a, in a more active and genuine way. And also challenge yourself to limit your screen time. To wrap things up, let's talk about some solutions, some ways to maintain positive mental health. First things first, I think it's important to seek professional help, talk with a therapist and see what options are out there for you. And also connect with others in real life and stay positive, your mind is the biggest muscle you can ever train because then you will be able to train the rest of your body the way you want it to. So work on staying positive through meditation, reflect about your actions and how they truly make you feel. Physical activity is another one, a big one. Mm -hmm. By working out alone, you release endorphins, which are the natural feel-good neurochemicals. Seek that natural um, way of feeling good. And and diet is a big one. Food is medicine. I love that we're starting to understand that. Um, Any others you can add, Asha? Yeah, so just make sure that you're helping others. Make sure that you're educating others. Mm -hmm. Getting enough sleep. Mm. It is so important to get your eight hours of sleep. Okay. Most importantly, just make sure you develop coping skills that work for you. Yes. Okay. Not everybody is going to be 
running to a therapist's office. Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe you want to do some alternative medicine, or yeah. or maybe you want to talk to a life coach, yeah. or maybe you want to work out, mm-hmm. or maybe you want to just eat right, and maybe yeah. whatever works. Yeah, whatever works for you. Maybe you just want to get close to you be around your friends, Mm -hmm. and have a conversation with them. Or maybe you just need to have a conversation with yourself. Mm. I think that's when the real honesty comes out, when you just have a conversation with yourself. Talk to yourself. a long way. Just let it out. Yeah, absolutely. One way or another. And and last but not least, I'll say, the reason why this is all very important is because when you have a positive standing with your mental health, that's when you can truly realize your full potential. You learn to cope with stress, the stresses that life offers, you you work more productively, and you make meaningful contributions to your community. So work on it. It's hard, but it is possible. And on that note, thank you for listening to episode one of A Buddhist and a Muslim with Kelly and Asha. We hope to have provided a helpful way of thinking about mental health and hope that it can help you on your journey to achieve it.